Okay, so today we are continuing in the series Lean and Fit, and this was actually, this is part 10 on Lean and Fit, and today this will be the last part. And uh, over the weeks, we talked about knowing our environment. We also learned that Satan was the god of the current world system, not he was, but he is. And we are living in a hostile environment because it talked about in the book of Revelation after there was war in heaven, how Satan got kicked out to earth. And it says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. So we know he's down here and he's, uh, he's on a, on a, on, on a war path. And we know because he's the god of this system, world system, we know the world is in corruption. And we who are in the world can become corrupted easily through the, our flesh and its lusts. The enemy or Satan is a predator, as I said, and he preys on anyone who gives him access to their lives through the flesh. This has always been his strategy, to entice, seduce, and when the bait is taken, people become ensnared to do his will. Most times it's unknowingly, but sometimes it is knowingly. People actually worship and give themselves to, to, to Satan. But most people don't do that willingly. But God has made a way for man to be delivered and to remain free from the power of Satan through sin which leads to corruption. He gave us Jesus. God gave us his son. He gave us Jesus. Who paid the price so that we who believe can be set free. We can be set free from the power of sin. In other words, before Christ, we were subject to acting in our own desires and lusts and not fully understanding the consequences of our actions and how it affected the life of others. Most Christians are masters in the things of the flesh, but amateurs in spiritual things. But God wants us to be masters in the things of the Spirit because that is the venue where God functions. God is Spirit. And so does the enemy. Enemy functions in the Spirit because he's a Spirit being also. The things in the Spirit supersede, supersedes the things in the natural realm. We always think that we are, since we are masters in the things of the natural, we always forget about the spirit, but the spiritual realm supersedes the natural realm. To be lean and fit, we have to know our enemy. We have to know our God, understand what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross and whom he has made us to be. Sin no longer has power over us. It only has power over us because we are ignorant to the word of God. God has also given us his spirit He's given us his word. He has also given us spiritual armor and the grace to stand in the midst of trials and attacks of the enemy. He has given us the authority to use the name of Jesus to subdue the forces of darkness. However, we must also learn how to control our tongue, which is able to bridle the whole body and keep us in the light and out of danger. How we choose to use our tongue will determine the outcome in our environment. How we choose to use our tongue, which is, which is important because everything we do is by choice. 
Last week, we were in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. That's where I spent most of my time. And we touch on presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. It says, holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. This is done by renewing our mind, changing the way we think, so that we may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And I'm going to just touch on a couple of things I talked about last week, but it's important for us to remember. We have to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. So we have a choice, but we also have to know something to be willing to lay down our lives as a living sacrifice. We have to have a relationship to build intimacy and trust. We cannot surrender to someone we don't know. If we don't know God, we don't know the Father, why would we want to surrender to Him? The surrendering comes only through relationship, through koinonia. It has to be done God's way. Being a holy, living sacrifice is all about walking in the light. Knowing the Father's ways and submitted to His Word and His Spirit. And Jesus was the perfect example of a living sacrifice. He yielded to the Father's will. The Father was always expressing Himself through the Son. That's why Jesus was a living sacrifice. He was always walking in the light, doing the Father's will. The renewal of our mind is for a purpose, to prove something to ourselves, to the powers of darkness, and what God said about us as sons or children of God. We no longer have to be subject to the power of sin, which leads to corruption. We no longer have to be prey. To be devoured by the enemy at his will. But that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life or everlasting life. That is the promise. God did not leave us helpless. He gave us his spirit. He gave us his word. And when I say word, logos, the written word and the incarnate word which was Jesus. Everything we need to overcome God gave us to us. And this knowledge comes through the Son and must be sought out. We have to seek Him. We have to seek Him because in Christ is hidden all wisdom and knowledge of who the Father is. Because Jesus said, if you see me, you'll see the Father. If you know me, you know who the Father is. But this has to be sought out. It's not going to happen by osmosis. It's not going to happen by just not doing anything. You have to seek Him to know Him. When we're walking in the light, as the Son expresses Himself through us, we are showing that we are partakers of His divine nature. We are no longer like mere men, but sons of God, and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are no longer subject to the power of sin, and the power of the enemy is now subject to us. That's when you're walking in the light. God is able to express Himself through the Son, through us, when we are walking in the light. Just as the Father expressed himself through Jesus because Jesus was a living sacrifice. He submitted himself to the Father. That is the same way that Christ can express himself through us as we submit to him. So that's just, just recap. For most of the material that I covered over the past several weeks. Now today I want to focus on just a couple of scriptures and I want to show you something here before uh, in this part 10. And let's go to Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through 56. That's Luke, the book of Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. 
Let me know when you're there, please. All right. So it says, the scripture says here in Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 56. It says, now it came to pass when the time had come for him, and it's talking about Jesus, to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. And they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. What I wanted you to see there is Jesus' heart and what it is really to be lean and fit. And you know what? Let's just go to uh, the other scriptures I have here and then I'll put it together. Matthew chapter 16 verses 21 to 23. Matthew 16 verses 21 to 23. Let me know when you're there, please. Okay, so in verse 21 it says, From the time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. So this just is another, a, a little different account. That he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Alright. So that's as much as I'm going to read. So if you, if you look at these two scriptures, in Luke and, uh, and in Matthew, there is something very interesting you see there. You see Jesus... And in both scriptures it's saying that he has his mind set to go to Jerusalem. Now he has his mind set to go to Jerusalem because he knows something. <laughs> and what does he know? He knows it's time for him to lay down his life. He knows he needs, and that is the Father's will. And when, what's interesting about this is his reaction Especially if you look at what happened in Matthew here. When he was telling the disciples what has to transpire. What has to happen to him. They're telling him no. They're, they're telling him that's not, that's not going to happen to you. We, know, we won't allow that. But Jesus rebuked Peter. Now Peter had good intentions. But <laughs> Jesus rebuked Peter. Why? Because Peter was going against what the Father required of Jesus to do. Jesus knew the time has come for him to lay down his life. And his mind, he was focused to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because he knew that he had to start putting into place, get the wheels in motion for what the Father required of him to come to pass. You know, around Christmas time, we, we read about, and around Easter, when he sent them the men to get the, the colt that was tied up, that nobody ever uh, rode on, on that animal before. And that's, uh, we talk about that, that's, um, 
that's Palm Sunday. And it talks about when he went and he got the, the room ready in Jerusalem, the upper room, where he was going to have the last supper, and that was around Passover. All these things, this is what Jesus had to go, had his mind focused to go to Jerusalem to accomplish. These are things he had to do to fulfill what the Father Scripture said about him. So he was about doing the Father's will. Now we look at what Peter was saying here. Because Jesus was telling him what he had to do. He said, I have, he said, I am letting you know ahead of time what I have to go through. So when it happens, you'll believe. But Peter took him aside and rebuked him. Because Peter didn't want to accept what Jesus was saying. But Jesus had to rebuke him because what Peter was telling him and what Peter was saying was totally against God's will for Jesus' life. And this is a hard thing to, 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 to receive, to accept. It's a hard thing because sometimes we see people who, you know, in their heart, they know God wants them to do certain things. And we know it's not going to be easy. And we try to discourage them and say, you know, are you sure this is what God wants you to do? This is not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. Are you sure? But you see, the thing is, we understand that people have good intentions. But if you're not convinced, you're not persuaded about what you need to be doing, if you're not sure about it, this is where the enemy can derail what the Father has in plan, what Jesus has in store for you. Because you're not, you're going to be, you're going to be double-minded. And if you're not sure what people are telling you, sounds right. Look, you know, are you sure? And you might say, well, you know, I'm really not sure about this. But if you got to really know, you really have to know what God has called you to do. You, that's why the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because we got to, there's something that we all need to be doing. There's something we all need to know. And we have to be very careful about our own lusts and our own desires because these are the things that the enemy will capitalize on to derail our walk with God. Because sometimes the easy way seems like the logical way. But most of sometimes the hard way is the way of God. And what Jesus had to do wasn't easy. When he said he has his mind set to go to Jerusalem, what he had to go through was not easy. But it's, it's what the Father required. So Jesus was preparing. He was thinking of what he had to do. That he had to eat the last Passover meal. And put things in motion for his death. He said not my will. But the Father's will. He knew his purpose. He knew what the Father required of him. Peter did not understand. The spirit that was motivating him. To respond to Jesus the way he, he did. That's why Jesus had to rebuke. Jesus had to say. Get thee behind me Satan. He wasn't rebuking Peter. He was rebuking the spirit behind it. Because the spirit. That was motivating Peter. To say what he said. Was going contrary to what Jesus knew he had to do. So Jesus had to rebuke that spirit. Because he didn't want to entertain the thought. Of what. If he allowed Peter to keep speaking. By that spirit, he didn't want to have to, to deal with that thought, those thoughts. Because those thoughts were against God's will for his life. And many times, that's why the Bible says, we have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Because if you keep entertaining thoughts 
that are contrary, contrary to what God has for your life. These thoughts will eventually seduce and derail God's will for your life. So very important that we recognize who and what is being said to us. Be, be careful of flattery. Be careful of people's tongues. People trying to inflate your ego. People trying to put you on a pedestal. Be very careful of those things. Because that is not God's will. That is, how, that is a strategy of the enemy. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. The enemy will use people to inflate your ego. So that pride will arise. And then when you give in to it, you start believing the lies about yourself. And then you become ensnared. And your mind is not on the things of God. You're thinking you're walking in God's will, but you're not. So we have to be very careful about what we allow people to say to us. So Peter didn't understand the spirit that was motivating him to respond to Jesus the way he did. In the natural it made sense. But in the spirit, it was against what the Father required of His Son. Jesus was always about doing the Father's will. Sometimes what God requires us to do makes no sense in the natural. And it can be difficult. But we have to trust Him and know. We have to know something. We have to know that His plans for us are for good. And for His glory. God is always about keeping his promises so that his word is accomplished. See, you've got to know something. You've got to know something about God to trust him. To lay down your life and be a living sacrifice. Jesus knew something. That he trusted the Father. That's why he was, his mind was fixed to go to Jerusalem. To put into action, to put into play what the Father required of him. So he trusted the Father. I so say you, you gotta know something to lay down your life like that. You gotta know something about the Father. About the one who, who kept you and keeps you. And the one who you, you lay down and given your life to. You gotta know something. You can't be double minded about, about your relationship with God and who God is. So understand that the enemy will use people with good intentions to derail God's plan for our life. But we must be sure that what we are doing is God's plan for our lives and not our own ambitions and, and desires. Nothing wrong with wanting to be to prosper and get ahead. There's nothing wrong with that. The question is what price are you willing to pay? Do you want to get ahead on the back of others? Lying, scheming, plotting? That's not the God's will for our life. We don't want to get ahead doing things the world's way. We don't want to do that. We don't want to sell our soul but we want to do things righteously in the right way. Walk by faith. Trust God to lead us. Give us the wisdom and give us favor to open doors. Because when God opens the doors, He gives us a grace to accomplish what, whatever it is He has made accessible to us. He gives us the wisdom. He gives us the resources. He gives us favor. Whatever we need. It's not by might or power. It's by the Spirit of God that we're able to do anything. There's a difference. Jesus was fixed on what the Father required. He yielded to the Holy Spirit without question. Because he loved the Father. And he knew that the Father loved him. The intimacy between Father and Son. That's the same intimacy we as children of God can now have 
with God through Jesus Christ. But we have to pursue it. We have to pursue it. There is no wonder the analogy of the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And husband and wife is analogous to the church and Christ. Intimacy. How does, how does the husband know the wife and the wife know the husband? Intimacy. Intimacy. They know each other not by, not, not only, you know, by, by, okay, it's not, it's not just by a, a casual thing. It's an intimate, deep relationship. And that is the relationship Christ has with, or needs with, or wants with the church. And that's the relationship Christ had with the Father. And we ought to have with Christ by the person of the Holy Spirit. That intimacy to know, to know Him deeply, to know Him intimately, to know what He says He will do, to know that He keeps His word, to know, and that is epinosis. That's not just a casual knowing. That's knowing. You know in your knowing. It's a deep knowing, understanding, and understanding His ways and who He is. That is the knowing. That is what we have to pursue, to know Him. In all various applications. So we, but we have to pursue it. Ultimately being lean and fit is about the love of God. God sent his son to pay the price so that we can benefit from that love. This includes knowing who we are. God's purpose for our life and walking by faith. Doing what's required of us. It's about understanding the schemes and recognizing the pitfalls that can be used to try and derail our lives so that you we lose hope and walk in darkness. Being lean and fit is about maturing in Christ and walking by faith in the light. When you walk in the light, darkness has no power over us. And God can express Himself in us and through us in Christ, revealing the to the world, the glory of God expressed through a redeemed son or daughter. God's desire is to conform us into the image of Christ as we renew our mind so that Christ, the life of Christ can be expressed through redeemed man. So to make known to the principalities and powers the wisdom of God. God in man, glory to God, working through man, expressing himself, showing that he's one with man, by choice, glory to God. That is, the, that is a function and a purpose for which Christ died. And when we are lean and fit, God is able to express himself through us in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, this topic is in no way complete, even though this is the last part of this of this uh, series. It's in no way complete. It is in no way complete. Because there are other, other things that, you know, other scriptures and other things that show what it takes to be lean and fit. What it takes to be masters in the spirit realm. It takes patience. It takes courage. It takes endurance. It takes being chastised. It takes trusting our Father and knowing that when we go through chastisement it's to bring us to a certain place. It's to conform us into an image of His Son. A living sacrifice. 
wholly acceptable to God. That is where we need to get. We are to be conformed into the image of Christ. Being a living sacrifice so that God can express himself through redeemed man in the person of Jesus Christ. So that is God's desire for us. This is what it takes to be lean and fit. Dying to self daily. Yielding to the Spirit of God. Yielding to the Word of God. Doing things God's way. But seeking Him. To know Him. And to know and be led by the Spirit. And know when we are walking in the light. And knowing that we are loved. And knowing that no weapon truly fashioned against us shall prosper. Because when we quote that scripture... We know that no weapon fashioned against us shall prosper. And we know every tongue that rises up against us, it will be condemned. And we know when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear evil. Why? Because he says, his rod is with us. His staff is with us. He comforts us and keeps us. We know that. We know he prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. We know that. Why? Because there is an intimacy we have with him. There is something we know by the Spirit that He loves us and He'll never leave us nor forsake us and that He keeps His Word. Oh my God, when you get to that level of intimacy, you know and you understand. You understand and you put on your arm of God. You stand with your shield of faith. And after you've done all, you stand and watch God do miraculous things in our lives. Give us favor, open doors, do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ask or think. Why? Because he loves us and he keeps his word. And that we are yielded to him. He's obligated to save us. He's obligated to provide. Because the word of God just said, they that trust in him, they will never ever be ashamed. He will save us if we trust in him. Glory to God. So I conclude, I really hope, with this series, I really hope you learned something today. I really hope you learned something, because I learned something. And this is the Father's desire and will for our lives. That we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and love one another. Love one another. Because everything, being lean and fit, everything would ever be in Christ. Everything we'll ever be is based on the love of God. Everything Jesus did was based on his love for his Father. Because he said, I always do those things that please my Father. Even to the death of the cross. That was Jesus' expression of his love. Of love to his Father. Because that's what the Father required of him. Amen. Amen. So I hope you receive something today.